Hello and welcome to Benjamin Mayo McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host Benjamin and today is our final episode for the year and of course our Christmas special. Now today I'm joined by three of the cast of Faulty Towers The Dining Experience and I'll tell you all about that in a minute and then of course I'll do my usual DVD and movie reviews. But first, here's my interview with three of the cast members of Faulty Towers The Dining Experience. Enjoy. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having, for having us. us. <laughs> <laughs> now, as I'm sure the audience can hear, there is three people here um, and they're from Faulty Towers The Dining Experience. Would you just go around and introduce yourselves and say what role do you play in the show? Okay, I'm Karen Hamilton and I play the role of Sybil Faulty. I'm Paul O'Neill and I play Basil Faulty. And I'm Anthony Satilli and I play Manuel. I almost said the wrong surname there, didn't I? <laughs> Manuel Fulton. Yeah, I know, it's when my brain's gone to mush. <laughs> Alright, well, who or what inspired you to become actors? Ooh. <laughs> it's always a difficult question to ask actors, because I started as a dancer, and then my feet were up. So I did the logical thing and went to stunt work, because I was accustomed to pain. And then from stunt work, if you became an actor, you could get jobs that were acting jobs that also had stunt work. So it became a progression from one to the other. Mm. Uh, but it's always fun to go and be someone you're not. It's, it it's is. A relief. Mm. Um, I got into acting quite late, really. I was 28 years old. And I was, funnily enough, living here in Australia, up in Brisbane. And um, I sort of did it for a bit of fun. And, uh, and then I did a, a play and I did short film and I thought to myself, well, I'm 28, maybe I should start getting serious about life and uh, if someone was actually paying me good money to do this, I think I'd be pretty happy. And so I took it from there, really. And um, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> um, mine, funnily enough, my story is actually um, a lot longer than yours. <laughs> Well, kind of. Settle in. Oh, shut up. No, 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 it's very quick. No, I, um, I was actually inspired by my aunt at a very early age, you know, three, four, whatever, singing, dancing, the whole lot. And I remember my very first play I went and saw, she took me to go and see The Sound of Music. I mean, it was only like a community production or something. Just a community play. But it was, uh, I think, I have no idea where the hell it was. It was in the middle of the night, so I had no idea. Um, but it was brilliant, and it just, it just, it kind of started the ball rolling. I always did drama, you know, in and out of school, left school, um, uh, you know, got myself an agent, got on a couple of film sets and what have you, nothing major, you know, just one of those people in the background most of the time. Um, you know, and that was yeah. kind of it. Um, and then life kind of went on hold for about 10 years, probably, mm. and then I came back to it. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 um, you know what they call you a mortgage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, well, I had to. I always <laughs> had part-time jobs and did acting on the side. But then you know you meet somebody, you buy a house, and you think, ah, oh, now I really have to work full time. Yeah. And unfortunately, I had to put it on hold. Um, but then I thought, nah, move state. Thought mm, I can actually afford to do this now. So, and that's how I am where where I am now. Yeah. yeah. Now, Faulty Towers, the dining experience, is a very unique piece of theatre. How would you describe the show? Okay, the original concept was it started 17 years ago in a garage in... What's the suburb there? Cooperoo? Holland Park, I think. No, it's Cooperoo, isn't it? Holland Park, Cooperoo Way, in Brisbane. Uh, 
three actors got together and they decided that they wanted to bring people into the restaurant that you see in Faulty Cat. That's the initial concept, is that you come to dine at Faulty Cat. So as you see, you've seen it tonight, there's no stage. Um, yes, we do have set pieces and if you've been to theatre before, you recognise all the set pieces, but you become part of the production and that's what they want to do. Because when I started um, 15 and a half years ago, um, there was only a page and a third of script. That's all there was. Now there's about 27 pages or something like that. Oh, but it's still, two, it's still two thirds improvised. Mm. And even, like I said tonight before we started this interview, I found a new piece of stick tonight that I'm going to tidy up and it'll become a, a nice little tight piece. And that's still, after, we're still finding new things mm. after 15 years. But the whole mm. concept of the show is that people have come to dine at that restaurant and they become involved in the process of that meal. Now with two thirds of the show improvised, do you have to have any specialised training or have you undertaken specialised training so you're ready for those impro moments? <laughs> I don't think there's anything that can prepare you for, really. No, but I think when I was doing um, the training for this show, when I got hired by the company, um, I got taken on a tour that they were doing at the time, um, which was in Holland, in the Netherlands. And we watched the show, and we were able to watch what they were doing at night, and then during the day we would rehearse ourselves. And um, I think with the the sort of secret to improving, certainly for this show, is just make sure you stay in character, because if you respond truthfully and in character, then you'll always have something to say or do mm -hmm. in reaction to what people throw to throw at you. Mm. Um, I think if you try to be the wittiest person in the room or the fastest person in the room, you know, then you'll get unstuck because nine times out of ten you won't be the, you know, the, the wittiest or the cleverest person in the room. Mm. So instead you just respond truthfully and in character to everything that's given to you. And that, you suddenly realise, is funny. Sometimes yeah. it's not what you say, sometimes it's just the silence. Yeah. Oh, when yeah, someone yeah. interjects something, sometimes it can just literally be two characters or three characters going completely silent mm. and looking at that person yeah. mm. and that brings the laugh. The silence, the look, the sometimes silence. it's just the yeah. look, sometimes it's just, just to take some like look yeah. and it, it just does it, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And what kind of scenarios do the audience put you in? Are there any ones that stand out or any strange ones? Do get repeats, We had a weird one. <laughs> And yes, we are at Ambassador's Hotel, and it is Faulty Towers. That was actually the wine menu falling off onto the register. Um, nothing's actually broken. No, there was a bottle of the wine that did go well. down. Um, we no stirrings from the kitchen at no, all. No, no, because no. no one, no one about tonight. No. Well, it might have been the ghost. Um, we actually had... <laughs> oh, my God. That was a real delay, wasn't it? Um, we had a show in, in Ireland... The, the Irish coming. audiences are, are yes. kind of right up there with Australian audiences. Australian audiences are our toughest. Um, but the Irish audience, this particular night, there was a husband and wife. Now, we didn't find this out until after the show. But she had caught him out cheating on her. Just so happens the woman that she found out that he was cheating on her with was also sat part of the same party that was coming to see the show. So this had all come out in the open, and they still continue to come and see the show. Oh, yes. So she's yes, telling yes. Manuel, yeah. to asking Basil to go and stab her husband with a fork. Mm -hmm. uh, one woman's sobbing every five minutes, 
and the husband was just trying to avoid all eye contact with everybody in the entire universe. And at the end, I think she went running up and was begging Manuel, you know, to um, beat her husband. It was just bizarre. That, that wasn't was me. No, it wasn't. No, no it, it wasn't was David Sweetman. But it was the most bizarre so situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just and odd. In the, yeah, in the same audience, there was a man there, and um, we actually ended up doing the Heimlich manoeuvre on him. And then he actually threw himself on the ground, so it became a stand clear, and as if we were doing a fake, you know, shocking him and all the rest of it. And it was became this ridiculously funny slapstick thing. Um, and it turned out later when he was thanking us at the end of the show that he'd been through a really rough spot about a month before he'd lost both of his parents and his sister in a car accident. That was all the family he knew. Um, and it was the first time he'd been out since then, and he'd laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And it was a nice moment. It was, it was great mm -hmm. to think that us going out doing our normal work can, can pull someone yeah. out of a hole. Yeah. You know? it's, it's amazing how often we come across that though. Yeah, exactly. um, I mean, we go out there and we do a job and we really do enjoy it. But you've got no idea of what history these people in the audience no. have. And it's so many times we have people come to us after the show and say that, thank you for making me laugh. It's yeah. been a full year mm. since I've laughed so because lovely. of blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Whether it be I've lost someone or oh. I've been, you know, um, undergoing treatment for cancer or something, or you know, you do get a lot of that actually. You get a lot of people yeah, mentioning yeah. that. Um, it just makes our job, it, it just kind of gives us just, just we feel blessed, yeah, for being able to do it. If they yeah. mention those kind of things to you in character, how do you respond appropriately to that scenario? You just got to be true to the character, like with that woman that found out about her husband, which we didn't find out the full story, she was just angry at him. Of course, Sybil can directly relate to that because she's forever angry at Basil because he doesn't get things right. Mm. So I was asking her, what, what, what did he get wrong if you're so angry at him, if you want to stab him to death with a blunt object? Um, and, and she was saying, well, you know, he's been you know, seeing other people and they're women, and I thought, well, that's not right, he should be going to men's club. So you'd still address it as the character, but she was kind of a little bit off in her own little space. Mm. But it was amazing to see at the end of the, in that party of ten, and really there were only three people that were involved in that saga, that the rest just loved and enjoyed the show. They thought it was fantastic, and they thought this woman was just really just having a great time, because none of them really knew. None of us knew till at the end what had actually happened. So we all sat there a little bit with our mouths open going, and you still came? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't. Because <laughs> you, you? you just think they're playing. Yeah, we think you know, they're playing. Oh, they're good players, they're playing. They're playing realistically, not over the top. Because people do weird things. You oh, yeah. Pull a hair out of their head and stick it at the end of their suit, with their hair in one suit. Yeah. yeah, that's not, it's not standard to have <laughs> a, a love triangle in, a, in an audience. No, it's, <laughs> say, it's probably, <laughs> probably not the answer you're looking that. for in what do the audience yeah. usually give you. Yes. <laughs> We've had plastic flies. Yes. Uh, Spiders. Spiders wind up rooms. Yes. The scooters across the room and you need to make Someone gave me a over. bilby the other night. It's, it's a bilby. stuffed bilby. I've gone, this is not bustle. And I gave it back. What's yeah, a bilby? Probably. Oh, it's an Australian. Oh, yeah, it's a marsupial. Oh, is, is it? Yeah, it, it is. Is it one no. of many things in Australia? No, it it's this so gorgeous little they thing. Uh, yeah, they, they are endangered, unfortunately. In I'll show you a picture. Just one less now. Google it. Yeah. Oh, well, no, it was a toy, not a real stuffed one. Oh. Now, obviously, these characters are already established in television history, so how do you go about making them true to the show while also bringing your own interpretation and dialogue to the role? Well, I don't, I don't think 
the audiences really want to see your take on it. I mean, nobody wants to see Paul O'Neill's version of Basil. They want to see you doing John Cleese doing Basil mm. Fox. Mm. And so you, you have to hit those markers, if you like. You've got to hit certain tones in their voice. You've got to hit the physicality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's a few sort of catchphrases in there as well, I guess. But essentially, you've just got to, when the audience see you, they've got to go, oh, yeah, that's mm. Basil. That's Sigmund. That's man. Because this is ingrained in people's memory. We've got to look at every, all of us have seen every episode again and again and again and again. Um, but it's all the little things that make, set us apart from perhaps other productions that have made us successful. It's a little mannerism. It's, it's the walk, it's the, where they place their hands, the gestures, even right down to the eyebrows. Mm. Mm. Um, Sarah Anthony, how he put that with the no no eyebrows. Um, they're the little things that set you apart. Now tonight, uh, when Mr. Faulty went into his uh, his Hitler walk, uh, the, the audience, yeah, the, the audience gave you a round of applause. Is that something <laughs> that happens when you do the the I suppose the major points from the show? Yeah, they like to hit. They yeah, there's, when you hit certain moments, like if uh, if Basil gets told off and he's like, right, you know, if it's one of those, then people like that, and obviously. Uh, without ruining the show, <laughs> uh, you know there are moments when people, that people recognise. I mean, this is a tribute show, yeah. so we're we're here to to pay tribute to the moments yeah. that we all know. There's only been one show that I was actually at, but I was backstage in that moment, um, and there was a whole half the audience were American students, young American high school students, and they had no idea about the show. They had no idea about these characters. So of course when that moment um, when that moment happened, they were mortified. Because in history, that particular walk is that whole Nazi myth. So they were mortified, their mouths just dropped, there was complete silence. So the poor guy playing Basil literally came out the back at the end of the show and went, Oh, all that died. And then came back out. And by then, because the teachers were applauding so loudly. The teachers had explained it's in the show, didn't you watch the DVD? And so they had the students applauding, but they were so confused, these no. poor kids. So apparently they went, they actually stuck their heads in the window the next night we were performing at the same venue. The teachers stuck their head in and they had the kids scream out, we get it now. Uh, <laughs> and they started clapping. Um, which is nice, mm. because if you hadn't ever watched it, which was part of their, uh, apparently part of their curriculum, of what they were studying at the time was mm. English class. Um, they were supposed to watch it before they came, and they didn't. So um, that was students are actually doing homework. Oh. <laughs> Not like Ben here. He no. would have done all his homework. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's your preparation routine before a show? <laughs> Karen and I have. Uh, yeah, we kind of do. Vastly <laughs> different. Uh, well, everyone's different. Yes. Everyone, some people do a big vocal warm up. I yeah. have vocal cords as thick as your thumb. So my vocal warm up is usually, <coughs> and then I go for it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you're always looking. We're always looking at DVDs. We're always listening to the sounds of the characters' voices because you have to hit those, especially for those vocal marks. Yes. Um, mm. And the characters looking. And just getting like for me, it's always once I put the shoes on and the wig. Um, I have had to do Sybil without the wig when I had to use a huge golfing outfit. I, I write out 
and then go one year to 2010 in a golfing outfit and then change into the wig. So I had the cap on with my own hair up underneath the cap. So that was rather difficult because that wig was the moment I became civil. Mm. So I had to ch get past that. The only time I found it difficult was when I had to take my shoes off. It's very hard to do Sybil's walk in, with no shoes. And it was because they had us on a basketball court. <laughs> and they didn't tell us. <laughs> I think everybody um, sort of finds, well, like Karen said, everyone is different. But I, as I'm getting ready, I find I start going into character slowly. So mm. if I put my, sometimes I have a, a, a real moustache, sometimes I have a false moustache, depending on what other jobs I've been doing. And, um, but as soon as I've got the false moustache on, I, my chin comes out a bit and I start to talk like this a bit. And, you know, and then by the time you've got the tie and the jacket on with the shoes and the trousers and, and you just sort of, I can't have a normal conversation. If someone comes into the, into the backstage before I'm about to go out. I can't, yeah, I can't talk to them as Paul. I've got to, I'm like, yes, what? Can I get some water, please? Thank you so much. You know, I can't mm. help myself. I'm talking as, as Basil already, so. But then I don't know, not everyone's like that. I think some people are just themselves until the moment they walk out. Mm. Like me. Depends like on your background. <laughs> yeah, like me. Both Anthony and I didn't have done quite a bit of film. So you tend to, you have to be able to switch it on, switch it off. Yeah. Mm. Um, because if you're one of these people that carry it on, well, I suppose you do do a lot of walking on and off the, mm. I suppose, the stage. So do you keep the character or yes. do you drop it? I do. I keep it the whole time. Mine goes on and off like a light bulb. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to keep it uh, most of the time. But every now and then I'll catch myself out the back going, oh, it's me. It's not Manuel. <laughs> you know, so I, yeah, I, I you know, drop in and out all the time. So, yeah, I tend um, to switch it on. And but it's, it's funny, when, when you're in the kitchen, it just seems, you know, when you talk to them as Manuel, you can joke to them. And it just, I don't know, it seems to make them laugh even more. And we want to make the experience for all the um, kitchen staff, yeah. um, you know, as good. Yeah. Because they're the ones that are really doing they're a lot of work. Hard. They're working hard. Mm. And you're just trying to make it as enjoyable for them as well. Because, yeah. you know, it's quite stressful. Mm. Trying to get out, you know, at the max that we play to is 120. Getting out 120 meals, especially at Maine, falls in 10 minutes. Yeah. Because that's what we've got. Yeah. Um, and it's, it can be really difficult. So you, you try to make it as fun as you can for them. Because yeah. otherwise it's, it's really stressful. Mm. Yeah. So what do you think it is about Faulty Towers, the dining experience, that makes it such a special and much-loved show? Mm. It's unique. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm. It's unique, but it's universal. It, it, you know, the thing that I... Re the reason I think it went across so many nations is because it is bad, a bad, uh, badly run hotel. And all nations know that. Yes. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um, British sitcom... Uh, probably the most successful British sitcom it ever. Is one. Well, no, I, I would say the most successful British sitcom in the UK is only Fools and Horses. But you may not have heard of that. If I've you, heard of you it. You have, yeah. right. Well, it didn't really travel because it's about a London council estate. And it's very, very unique to sort of London. It's quite niche. In the UK, it was massive, absolutely enormous. And yet it didn't really travel. It's never been shown here on TV. Right, because it's not a universal subject. Whereas I think Faulty Towers is about an obnoxious man who runs a bad hotel. And it's just universal. You find it's a different it building is. where Piers Brosnan was staying at one point. At one point I, I thought I, I remember it was when so I was young. Maybe. 
long time ago. No, yes. no, it only started in the in the early eighties. Yeah, we usually got things straight after we released it. It was on the BBC we got it, but usually it was on the ABC. Normally yeah. ABC. So Sometimes ABC. SBS, but normally ABC. Yeah. yeah. But it certainly didn't have the success no, internationally. No, the no. Well, because it registers over so many different types of people. Everybody knows some that's really obnoxious like that. It's Everybody awesome. knows some that's bossy and you know, overbearing and as civil is. Everybody knows someone that's just an idiot. <laughs> and everyone you know, knows someone that's henpecked by their wife. Yes. And, yeah, so. But not only that, but you flip the coin on the other side. Everybody that works in retail has had a nightmare customer. And, you know, oh, yes, sir. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, um, from Basil's point of view, I suppose, some of those customers, you just want to kill them. And, I, you know, I've worked in retail before for quite a number of years, and I can personally say, there have been times where, yes, I've wanted to kill customers. Because you just think, dear God, can you complain about something else? Is it really that trivial? Come on. Uh, it's, it's funny. Important. Yes, for them it's important. But actually, that's a very good point, Henry, It is because even though he's such a sort of obnoxious man, we're all on his side. Yes. When mm. you watch Fawlty Towers, you're always on Basil's side. Mm. And yet he's so annoying and obnoxious that you can't help going, oh, come on, succeed. Oh, that's, that's the yeah. pathetic part of it. Yes. You know he's not going to succeed. No. It, that, that's that kind of you bit of a pity thing. Yes. So. You, know the, you know the train wreck is coming. You, you know the train wreck stitch, is coming. Stitch himself you, up. Yes, yeah. exactly. And you enjoy the fact that he stitches himself up. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you think are the major challenges of working on this show? Well, it's tiring. Cause we're the touring. touring. Yeah. The yeah. touring is because we're flying, like our first day of this, this tour when the three of us got together. Yeah. Um, we had flights and then like a Early two morning. and a half hour and then a two and a half hour drive and then the show. So. Um, and right. then you're packing the next day and you're, you're moving on. Yeah. Um, so that sort of part of it is tiring. But it's funny, it, as much as because I've been doing it so long, um, I remember saying to a friend of mine who was doing the show before me and, and retired a long time ago from this production, um, and I said, when do you know that you've had enough? And she said, well, when you walk on and you're not enjoying it anymore and you just want to hurt them, <laughs> it's time to go. Um, and I've to this day, like tonight, uh, when I came off at one point, you know, said to myself, yep, you're on a roll tonight, you've got this thing going, you must work on that little bit of spirit. You actually said that out loud because I heard yeah, you say that you walked past me. That's <laughs> to remind myself. And it's I was like, off oh, I'm on fire tonight. Because <laughs> 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 it was, I was on this little roll going. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just sort of like, it's nice because Sybil, when you see her in the show, is a very straight character. There's only about 10 minutes over the entire 12 episodes. So you have to take that base of a person. You don't know the whole thing. You've got to work it out. In some parts, imagine and work on what's likely to be to hurt your skin, uh, and then from there you've got to build the character so she becomes believable. Mm, yeah. Because you, really, you only see her as one-dimensional in, in the television production. And people, when they come to a comedy show, expect you to be funny. Yes. And I worked out the first five minutes of performing all those years ago is oh god, they expect me to be funny. So it was lucky I'd come from an acting stand-up background mm. um, and stand-up improv sort of background, so I could. Uh, Civilised things into being funny. Hmm. Things that she would take that she wouldn't understand and perhaps would mistake as being something a little bit naive, but get it wrong. Hmm. Yeah, that sort of thing. So, where can our listeners see the shows at the moment? 
Um, well, they can check the website. Yeah. That's the easiest way to see the show mm -hmm. because they're all listed throughout the entire world, wherever you are. Yeah. Um, there's a link in the show notes. There's a link in the show notes because Ben is very efficient. I wouldn't know how. Um, uh -huh. And of course, you know, you can see us on all the main media and on the interactive field website, which we'll have a link to. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Well, finally, what advice would you offer to people looking to become actors? <laughs> no, you always have to have something. Do you always have yeah. have something to fall back on. Always have something to fall back on. But in saying that, I, I don't think people that people that are driven to do acting will do acting. Mm. Will go that way anyway. You know, it doesn't matter what we play. If if you're driven to perform and you get up there and this light bulb goes off inside you, mm. you're going to be performing. But I also think that um, people who really like. I've had people come up to me after shows and say, do you know, I always thought about acting. And I would say, well, do it then. It's meant to, right? Yeah, just no. do it. If you, if you really, really want to do it, then you should definitely yeah. do it. Then there are other people who you meet and they go, oh yeah, I'm going to be an actor. And you think, no, you're not. Because yeah. it's hard work. Because, you know, they fall in love with an idea of what, what it is without knowing what it is. But those people who know and really, really think, oh, I'd love it, but think, oh no, I shouldn't know. It's not a serious job or... It's, it's so um, unreliable that I, I say to them, do it, because if you just never give up, you'll get somewhere. Yeah, you exactly. Give up. You yeah. just got to keep banging on the door yeah. all the time. You're always selling yourself. Mm. Always mm -hmm. selling yourself. Because what's to say, Ben, that after meeting the three of us in five years' time, you get a film up and you think, I need a tall guy, a short guy, and, a chick. and an older chick. <laughs> You're going to come see us. See? <laughs> that's yeah. how it works. That's the industry. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time today and good luck with the rest of the tour. Thank, thank you very much. Thanks. That was the cast of Faulty Towers talking to me at the Ambassadors Hotel earlier this month. Uh, they will be playing in the Adelaide Fringe at the Ambassadors Hotel with a slightly different cast. And uh, as I said in the interview, the link to their website where you can book tickets is in the show notes for this episode. Now, I haven't had the opportunity to check out any new films as yet, but don't worry, there will be some more new release films to review in the first January podcast. Also, Madman Entertainment hasn't sent anything new through yet either, but I'm sure we'll have something to review from Madman earlier in the year. But there are some new releases from Roadshow Entertainment, like The Grandmaster, Bad Education Series 2, ITV's Celia, into the Storm, The Expendables 3 on uh, Blu-ray and DVD, and the Blu-ray is an extended cut, uh, Hawking, The Immigrant, which is one of my favourite and my pick of the month, and the Australian film Felony. Now, as I said, my pick of the month this month is The Immigrant. Now, I did review this in cinemas, and uh, it is a very powerful, moving uh, film, uh, which is available at the end of the month, so I think the 30th of December that one comes out, and I really do encourage you with any uh, any Christmas money you've got left over to pick that one up, as it's moving, touching, it's got a fantastic script, uh, script brilliantly acted, and it really is a superb and emotional film. Well, don't forget to check out my Adelaide Fringe show, Great Detectives of Old Time Radio Live, and uh, here's a promo for the show, which has all the details. Johnny Dollar. Dollar. This is Raymond Tillerton. Tillerton? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, Eastern uh, Liability and Trust. Well, what can I do for you, sir? Can you come over here and see me right away? You mean you're in your office at this time of night? No, uh, no, uh, at, at my apartment. Well, what sort of a matter would you like me to investigate, Mr. Tillerton? No, 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 there's no matter. Not yet. That is. Uh, but that doesn't make any difference. I must see you. Well, look, Mr. Tillerton. Right away, please. Well, unless I have some idea what your problem is. Good heavens, man. Can't you hear this is urgent and important? Well, it certainly sounds like it. Well, then come immediately. 4-8, the Kernsley Arms. Look, Mr. Hello? Hello? Mystery. Intrigue. Coming your way in Great Detectives of Old Time Radio Live. Playing February 18th to the 22nd at the Capri Theatre during the Adelaide Fringe Festival. Seven shows only. Book now through Fringe Ticks to avoid disappointment. There will be a link to buy tickets also in the show notes for this episode. Now, there's also something very, very special on the website and on YouTube. Uh, it's a little video that I shot with the cast of Faulty Towers, a dining experience in character. So we've got a little Faulty Towers skit, which I'm sure fans of Faulty Towers uh, will absolutely love, and you can check that out online right now. So... Have a Merry Christmas, everyone, and we'll be back in the new year with some more fantastic interviews and episodes. I've been your host, Benjamin May McKay. See you next year.